everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 101 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the concept of scarcity and abundance. If you have ever gotten into the world of personal development or manifestation, you've probably heard these terms before and today we're going to talk about how they apply to your running life and of course your life in general. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Okay, so lately we have really been diving deep into the world of business and personal development, personal growth, and manifesting your own reality, and all these different types of woo-woo types of things. Lots of the woo. And I was reading an article about the abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset. And Which is I, one of your favorite topics out really, of the woo-woo. Well, I don't, I don't know if it, I would say it's my favorite, but it is a, it's a really good one because you don't really understand how much of it you're actually putting into play in your own life until you actually realize what it is. Yeah, it might not be one of your favorites, but it's really it's one of the the fundamental layers in here mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of a, a big one. Yeah. Even when you think you've sort of got it mastered, it, it kind of rears its head every once in a while and you're right. still like, "Oh, wait, that's scarcity." Yeah. So, for those of you that might not be familiar with like manifestation, it's the whole remember that book The Secret that came out like that's probably at least 10 or 20 years ago at this point now, right? Sure. I guess we could look it up. But anyway, it's basically the idea of we create our own reality. And if you envision it, it will occur. Yes. And, and so people got into, you know, making vision boards and saying like, oh, well, I just, in, I will sit here and I will envision my life and then it will come true. And it's not exactly like that. There's a little bit more to it than that. <laughs> that that's the best part. I'll sit here and I'll envision it. It'll come true. <laughs> and then when it doesn't come true, then you complain that manifesting doesn't work. Right. Exactly. So in inside of this whole world there is this concept of the scarcity mindset and then the the mindset of abundance and so first let's just start off by just talking about what these two things are excellent okay, okay. because they they apply both really nice to all real world situations but they apply to the the world of running specifically right. so that's, that's what we're going for yeah here. definitely the running and i mean like you guys know especially those of us those of you that have been with us since the beginning, we love taking the lessons that we can apply from running and apply it to our regular real life to make us better people. But then there's also those times where we can take those bigger um, personal development types of topics and apply them to our running and see how that can help make us better runners as oh, well. Kind of flip it. Ooh, That's nice. That's I good know. work. All right. So let's, let's talk about what is the abundance mindset. All right. So with the abundance mindset, you're always working from the the frame that there is always more coming to you and there is plenty to go around for everybody. Right. Yeah. The universe, the universe or God or, you know, whatever your belief system is, will give you what you ask for and what you need. Yes. Yeah. Both of those. Yeah. You're like, you're always taken care of. Your needs are, are totally fine and what you ask for. So if you put out negative questions, negative thoughts, like, oh, I don't want this, you end up getting that. Right. And and I think that one of the important things about the abundance mindset is the idea of there is always enough to go around. Like just because one person has a lot doesn't mean that there's any less for you. Like there's enough for everyone to have an abundance of everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of the key to it is, I mean, I'm going to kind of flip into the the scarcity and sort of this explanation but the abundance mindset says that all of all of what you need and what everybody else in the world needs is is not just like a pie mm-hmm. so if i cut a big piece of pie you get a small piece of pie right it's that there's there's an infinite amount of pies we all get pies we all get pies, pies for everybody pies for everybody <laughs> right so on the other hand so the opposite of the abundance mindset is the scarcity mindset and there's so, only one pie in the scarcity mindset there's only one pie right there's one big pie and if you cut the pie if you have a bigger piece that means that there's less for everyone everyone else. So thoughts that fall into this are more like, I have to protect what is mine because I don't know when or if I will get more. Yeah. Especially that if I'll get more, Yeah, you know, or you look over at somebody else and you're like, Ooh, they've got a lot. Mm -hmm. That means I can't possibly have a lot because they already have a lot. Mm -hmm. And you can't share 
what you have because then there will be less for you for yourself yeah if there's only one pie why would you ever share right although i learned that we have to share desserts from you <laughs> yeah i like i taught you that very early on in our dating yeah i ordered dessert and you, <laughs> you took your fork and stabbed my dessert <laughs> what are you doing You're like i'm gonna try a piece of your dessert give you a look like well if I'll never finish all of my dessert ever again. <laughs> ever again. Well, if I'm going to marry this one. <laughs> I think I think one of my favorite things was that one night that we went out with our friends and we had this discussion and her, my friend's husband was talking about the first time he ever had dinner at her house and how everyone took a couple, or they went to a restaurant, everyone took a couple bites of their plates and then they just picked up their plate and handed it off to and the And just next started person. passing them around. It was literally like someone rung a bell and they're like, and now pass your plates to the right. And he's like, um, I ordered this because I wanted to eat this. Yeah. If I wanted to eat what you were eating, I would have ordered what you were eating. <laughs> you keep your plate, I'll keep my plate. Yeah, the two of you really connected on that one. It was pretty funny. So anyway, a little aside there, but... Back to scarcity. So the world or the universe has limited resources. So more for you means less for me. It's a pretty straightforward thing. Yeah. If you get more, I can't have more because you took it from me. Right. Or if I have some, I'm not going to share it because I'm never going to get it back. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times when you hear about the scarcity mindset and the abundance mindset, you hear about it in regards to money. Like that's one of the most common times, at least that I've read about it, like in regards to money or to business. um, General success in the world. Yeah, general success. If you're super successful, you took that away from me so I can't succeed as much Mm because you you did it. Right, and it's the whole idea of, well, they've already had success, so the market is oversaturated, so there's no room for me. Right. Right, or – same thing with money. Like if they've been successful and they've been able to achieve that, then I'm not going to be able to do that. Right. Instead of cryptocurrency literally cancels this out because there's, it's not tied to like how much gold is in the world. There's just actual like ones and zeros floating around there. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so let's talk about how this applies to running. Okay. So the thing is like, I think that the scarcity mindset a lot of times can rear its ugly head in ways that we don't even realize. Yes, and, that actually fit really nice right into the scarcity mindset. Yeah, and and it's just it's it's there without e- us even understanding it. Like, because I, I know that once I've read about this and tried to understand it a little bit more, I definitely see it popping up all the time in my thinking um, in regards to a lot of different areas of my life. And I've become much more conscious of that. Right. And once you're conscious of it, then you can literally be like, oh, wait, that's coming from a scarcity mindset. Why don't I flip it? Why don't I rearrange how I'm thinking about mm-hmm. that? Which is sort of the whole co- big picture of yeah. this outside the outside the kind of standard line of thinking. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, well, if I just change the way I'm thinking about it, then that literally changes reality because the way you think about something is your reality. Right. So if you think about something from a positive frame of mind, mm-hmm. then it is a positive occurrence. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest keys of this whole idea is that we all create our own reality because really there is no such thing as reality. Everything, every event that occurs in our life is all about our perception of it. Like the same exact event can happen and two different people can have two different ideas of what actually had happened. You <laughs> this, know? this was discussed at the coaching meeting I had to go to tonight. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was uh, what to do if a parent and the coach disagree. Ooh. And uh, the athletic director who ran the meeting, he goes, so first, talk to the coach. I don't, I don't need to be involved if I don't need to be involved. And second, if the meeting between the parent and the coach didn't go well, then then I need to be involved and have a meeting with me. (laughs) But I prefer my meeting to take place with both the parent and the coach because if I just have a meeting with the parent, I get the parent's point of view. Mm -hmm. If I have a meeting with the coach, I get the coach's point of view. And it turns out that there's usually at least two sides to a story and sometimes three. Mm -hmm. The parent's point of view, the coach's point of view, and then, you know, the truth in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing is the whole idea is that there is like truth is a relative thing too. Right. And that's when you start getting really into, you know, deep into the world of the woo. Right. Because my, 
my perception of the events is right. in fact my truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and this is what I was even telling some of our girls today when I was running with them. Like we had two new runners come out today to cross country practice. Love the new runners. I know. I do. I love the new runners. So I let them all go off. I gave them all a head start and then I went out to catch them. Then you chased them down. I did. Well, because I knew they were going to be walking, you know, right. so it was a matter of how much they were going to walk. And so there were these two freshman girls and they were walking along and, uh, so, so I started running with them, and we were having them do run-walk intervals because this was the first time that they had ever run like this. So, And it was 103. It was pretty hot. It, actually, it, honestly, though, when it's when I started the run, it was actually pretty nice. Oh, that's it right, because it had just finished raining. It so had, yeah. until the sun came back out, it was mm-hmm. actually only like 90. Yeah, it was actually kind of comfortable. So anyway, so... I went out and I started running with them, and I so I was kind of trying to coach them and telling them, encouraging them, getting, telling them that they're doing a good job. But I kind of got into this a little bit, and I think we need to get into it with the team as we go with the season. Definitely, uh, you know, the idea of reframing things and like your body's screaming at you to stop right now, and you're saying, "Wow, this sucks," or "This is awful," or "I need to walk," or "I'm going to pass out," or "I'm going to throw up," and it's like, "Well, just change the story that you're telling yourself." You had a here. key one in there of "I need to stop." You yeah. don't need to stop. Right. If you needed to stop, your body would shut down yeah. and you will fall over. Yeah, like that is when it's a need. Mm-hmm. Is your body will literally shut down. It happened to me one time when I was in high school is I was so like overexerted and mm-hmm. dehydrated that I started getting dizzy and my body just shut down. Yeah. So your body will tell you that you need to stop. Right. Until then, you can probably tell it that no, you're you're wrong. I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So some some examples of the scarcity mindset in running. Like one of the the number one thing I that I, I wrote down here was the idea of I don't have enough time for that because it's a good one. that is really the number one excuse that I hear from people as to why they don't run, why they don't run more, why they're not training for something, why they are out of shape, why they stopped working out, why they didn't go to the gym, why they don't do meal prep, why they don't (laughs) eat eat healthier. But I don't have enough time. I don't have time for that, right? And to that I say, there is always enough time. There is, there is, there's not less time or more time. There is just time. And you get to choose what to do with your time. Right. And some people are like, well, my time is, is so limited. I, I have to go do this and I have to go do this and I have to go do this. Mm-hmm. And they put a lot of have to's have in there to's, yeah. of things that are not necessarily have to's. Right. And if you really pull back and try and figure out how productive you're being with that have to time, mm-hmm. you might realize that you're not using all of it. Right. You could kind of rearrange your schedule, try and get a little bit more efficient on this, Mm -hmm. and magically create more time. Right. Like, do you really have to go to Target to get the toilet paper, or could you set that up on Amazon auto order to be delivered to your house every month? Nice one. I mean, that's just one small example. Like, you know, little things like that, or going to the grocery store. I personally like going to the grocery store, but some people don't. Yeah, but you like going to the grocery store, like, weekly. Right. You don't, yeah. well, no, you I don't, don't go... like going to the grocery store daily. Oh, no, and no, some no. people try and they're like, well, I can't make dinner because I didn't get right. to the grocery store today. Right. Like, well, well, did you get there yesterday? And then they say, well, I don't have enough time to meal plan because my weekends are too busy. And it's like, okay, well, you can take a, a you know 10 minutes to plan out your meals for the week and then go to the grocery store once. Or you can spend a half an hour to 45 minutes going to the grocery store every single day right. of the week trying to figure out what then to eat. Because honestly, if trying to figure out what to eat is the worst part of meal prep clearly like just making the decision of what you're going to eat then you just have to cook it yes you know but once that's established i mean when we had that pattern going for a while where it's like all right everybody gets to pick a meal out of the week and Mm -hmm. then two of us would come up with like an extra one and we got to get back into that yeah now that school year's going again about that yeah i know but you've got more time to work with over the Mm -hmm. summer yeah you have more time to work with um (laughs) there is not more there there's a tighter schedule that requires you to find the time Mm -hmm. but the time does exist it just yes there's school and now we've got practice after school so it requires some organization it requires some planning ahead of time Mm -hmm. but time didn't disappear right it just kind of got scheduled for you rearrange your schedule take advantage of the time Mm -hmm. don't let time dictate what you can and cannot do right and this does obviously become more complicated if you have a full-time job and there's other things that are placing more demands on your time but there are still ways that you can find time to prioritize certain things in your life that are going to make you a better happier person because that's worth it 
Okay, so number two is playing to win versus playing not to lose, yeah. right? So I in, like this in the scarcity mm-hmm. mindset, you're really just playing not to lose like you're, versus actually thinking about how am I actually winning at this? How am I actually improving and getting better? Well, yeah, in the scarcity mindset, one of the things you, you talked about is once I have it, I need to hold on to it. Yeah. So there's no risk in the scarcity mindset because mm-hmm. if you have it, you just cling to it. Yes. You never at all possibly lightly loosen your grip on it mm-hmm. so that you could maybe gain more. Right. It's whatever you have, you cling to and cherish and don't share or possibly try and reach for more because mm-hmm. if you reach for more, you might spill what you have. Yeah. It's the old Bible story about the servants that were given the talents yeah it's a good you know one. and i'm not trying to make this into a religious discussion but there is a story in the bible where the master comes and he gives his servants a certain number of talents which i love that it's called talents by the way yes but that was a, a monetary it was a unit of money in, yeah. in that time a pretty substantial one according yeah. to the last story last retelling i heard of this. right and so then you know the first servant went out and doubled the money and the second one went out and doubled the money and the third one went and buried the talents in the ground. Yes. And because he was so scared that he would lose it that he just thought it was better off if he just buried it in the ground and, and that way he at least had that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a perfect example of this. That's a good one. I was going to go with the example of uh, the little kid with his hands stuck in the vase. Mm-hmm. Have you heard this one? Mm. Where the uh, yeah, it's a cute one. The, the the version of the story I have somehow dad saves the day. It seems like that story is backwards because um, <laughs> mom would have the logical idea of this one. Um, but in, in the version that I that that I tend to read to my classes, um, the dad comes home and this kid's hand is stuck inside of a vase, and mom's been trying to pull it off. She's like, we, we're not sure what to do. His hand is stuck inside of the vase. And dad's like, how'd you get your hand stuck in there? He goes, well, I. I I just I my hand made it in. I thought I'd be able to get it back out because uh, I dropped a marble inside, and so I grabbed the marble, and now I can't get my hand back out. Mm-hmm. And Dad's got like the butter, and he's trying to grease up his hand and pull the thing back out. He goes, "Oh man, I give a dollar if I can figure out how to get your hand out of there." And the kid lets go of the marble, pulls his hand right out, and goes, "Wait, can I have the dollar?" <laughs> Because the only thing that was preventing him from getting his hand out was the fact that he was gripping tightly to that marble and a fist couldn't come out, right. but his hand could easily slide out. Yeah. And then he got a dollar. Mm-hmm. So he gave up his tight control over the marble and gained even more than that. Right. Because when you play not to lose, you're just trying to protect what you have versus actually exploring what it is you're capable of. And that's extremely applicable to running, right? Because you can do the safe thing that you know you're capable of doing. You can go out and you can run the same loop at the same pace every day at the same time. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fine, right? That I mean, to you, that might be a good thing and that's cool. Or you could go out and you could change it up and you could see what you're made of and maybe enter a race and kind of just experiment and see maybe you're faster than you thought you were yeah i mean this one's a big thing that i think we need to talk to the team before they really start hitting the races Mm -hmm. because especially in in cross country we race a lot yeah you know once you're out of like kind of the the scholastic level the races get a little bit more spread out especially if you're training for longer races they're not happening every every week Mm -hmm. but we run 5ks and we run them like every single week yeah so don't just run every race the same and hope you're magically going to get better there is something to be said of the of the consistency of it and yes you will slowly get better but maybe one week try and take it out real fast and just see what happens Mm -hmm. because maybe you are way faster than you thought or maybe take it out real conservative and see how strong you can feel at the end but all of that involves you experimenting with an unknown Mm -hmm. and the scarcity mindset says no 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 I know that if I run my first mile at this, then I can hang on and it's going to hurt, but it's only going to hurt this level and then I'll get across the finish line around this time and that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, versus let's see what happens if I do this and being open to the possibilities that that might bring. <laughs> Which could be very positive or possibly not. Right. But it's open to the possibility. Exactly. And that plays very well into our third point, which is protecting what you have instead of trying to grow. I mean, basically those, those two are pretty much the same pretty kind much of the thing. Same. Yeah. So point number four, 
Hard work isn't enough to succeed because you are too wrapped up in the minutia and the details that really don't matter instead of seeing the big pictures and opportunities ahead of you. I love getting wrapped up in minutia instead of trying to actually figure something out. I love saying minutia. It's just a great word. <laughs> um, but it's, it's the you can't see the forest for the trees. You're so busy trying to make sure that you hit you know, let's say you're, you're doing speed work Mm -hmm. and you're like, okay, well I'm going to do mile repeats and they have to be at exactly my 5k pace. Otherwise this workout is worthless. I mean, I see that a lot in my running group, you know, the people that have other coaches and stuff and they'll, they'll come in and they'll say, I'm doing mile repeats at 742. And I'm like, really? (laughs) 742? 742. Like, where did that even come from? Because 740 has completely different applications to your body. And 744 is a failure. Uh, Utter failure. Utter failure. Go home and cry. Right. I mean, I've seen these kinds of posts in the Facebook group, not in our tribe group. And if you're not a member of our Facebook tribe yet, please join us because that's a super great group. Um, But like in some of the other running groups that I am a part of, like there are people that will post workouts and they're distraught. Like they're they're very upset saying that they failed that workout because they were off pace by a little bit. Which is just ridiculous because, right. I mean, we've covered this one over and over. There's so many things that can so mess. So many factors. Right. Like, we had... like, even if you're off by like 15, 20, 30 seconds, if if it's 95 degrees outside, it feels like 108, like it, that's what's going to happen. I mean, that's what we had going at practice the other day. Yeah. One of our, our kids, longtime runner, senior on the team, very much a leader on the team, mm-hmm. she came out and started running. Yeah. And was well within like her her pace like she was doing fine she was hitting times that I'm like yeah that's maybe a little bit fast for what I was aiming for today but suddenly she started like losing the ability to breathe and I'm like what what'd you do today and it was the first student government meeting of the mm-hmm. year that went twice as long as she thought so she was late to practice so then she felt rushed and she goes oh also we spent all english class writing our college application essays oh lord like oh well so you were toast before you even showed up at this workout yeah. you were mentally fried and then now you had to somehow bring whatever mental capacity you had to right. the workout she goes, but my legs felt fine. I'm like, of course your legs felt fine, but you couldn't breathe mm-hmm. because you had no more mental capacity to push in the workout. Yeah. Like, and, and it was all up in, up in the head. Like she was mentally done before that workout started. Right. And then, you know, you had to, we had to talk to her and, and calm her down and be like, look, you're fine. Yes. Did you slow down a little bit? Was I hoping that you were going to hit, you know, I forget, like 4.15 and she started coming through at like 4.25. Mm-hmm. It's like, it, you're, that's really close. Mm-hmm. Given everything you've gone through today, that is totally fine. Yeah. And the kids who took them out like super fast and then slowed down by a minute over the course of the workout, <laughs> like, okay, well, the lesson here is that we need to figure out what your medium pace <laughs> right, is. Right, right. You know, so the tiny little details, I love, I love when people come up and they've got like such a random number that they're supposed to hit for mm-hmm. it. I'm supposed to do my miles in 742. Right. Like, re- how is that not rounded to 740 or 745? Mm-hmm. Just round. <laughs> or give me a range. Give me a range. Yeah. It's put anywhere from 735 to 750. Right. Somewhere in that range. Exactly. And so really when you look at the big picture and understand that you're pushing yourself appropriately those tiny little details, those couple of seconds don't really matter that much in that given workout. Now, when it gets to a race, sometimes it can be a little bit more disappointing if you were hoping to PR or you were hoping to like Boston qualify or you're, you know, trying to, to hit a specific time on the clock. Those, num- you know, sometimes those couple of seconds do actually matter. You know, the, sort of. I mean, <laughs> to that goal. Yes, you know, to that goal. To that goal at that time. To which we then say, you know, think about the big picture as a whole. Like that is probably not your last race. So this is, again, just another checkpoint along the way. Figure out what you did during that race. Did you go out too fast? Did you go out too slow? Did you know? Did you have too much left over at the end What? but then just ran out of road? You know, or did you go out too hard and like waste so much energy in the beginning that you just like totally died out by the end. Oh, we've Analyze got so many it. of those kids on the team. Yeah. I'm just going to take it out super hard for the opening mile and then hang on as best I can. Right. And they're crawling across the And they the go from like line. seven minute pace to like a 10 minute pace. It just looks so painful. Yeah. Like those last two miles should hurt, but not mm-hmm. as much as it looks on your face. Right. Yeah. Pacing is a skill for sure. So 
those tiny details are definitely evidence of that scarcity mindset of like, I have to do this exact thing right this way, um, or I'm not going to get the results that I want. Right. Thinking that it's kind of the idea that you can, you can essentially write a formula for how to reach a particular goal. Mm -hmm. If I run these many repeats at this pace, (laughs) that means that my 5k race pace will be this. Right. Or if I do all of these mile repeats, uh, there's the, the half mile marathon predictor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do like the marathon repeats, if you're trying to hit a three hour marathon, you do half mile repeats at three minutes. Yep. I forget all the details to it, but mm-hmm. it's not a magic number. Yeah. It, magic workout. It's, it's not a magic workout. There's not <laughs> a magic workout. Yeah. It's convenient. And that's why it gained its popularity right. is because people are like, Oh no, you just knock out a bunch of half mile repeats and that's your marathon time. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's, it's not. Yeah. Okay. The next big point that we have of examples of the scarcity mindset is pouring effort into the wrong things. So you put effort into too many things at one time, or you put your effort into the wrong things. Like we said about like those tiny little details would be one of the examples of the wrong things. Well, I mean, you could totally just mentally fry yourself beyond the physical exhaustion of the workout. If you're so upset that you missed your average pace Mm -hmm. on your repeats by a second, you don't have anything to bring the next day because you're still beating yourself up Mm -hmm. over a one second difference. Or five seconds or 10 seconds. Heaven forbid five seconds. Yeah, whatever that number is for you that you're upset about. Yes. um, Because... Sometimes 10 seconds is, like, to be upset about it is as ridiculous as one sec- second. Right. Depending on so. what you're doing. Yes, exactly. Right. So um, so talk about kind of the thing that you, we were talking about before, about, like, when you spread yourself so thin, you're kind of expecting some of those things to fail. And in a way, that helps to give you a built-in excuse. Yeah. It's sort of like, well, all right, if I if I have this workout plan, that should work. Okay. I I have some faith in my workout plan, but maybe it's, it's not. So I'm also going to add on this cross training and then I'm going to add on this trip to the gym. And plus I'm going to start cycling on the weekend. You just keep adding these things to it because you're like, well, if this part of the plan doesn't work, at least I have all these backups in here. Right. And if I do all of them, it should get me to my results. And Mm -hmm. instead you're just completely overdoing it. Right. You're likely to be burned out and then eventually hurt because you're going so big thinking that that your basic training plan which would work for you if you fully commit to it is not enough right so as you can see the negatives of the scarcity mindset are that it causes us to overlook great opportunities and also to avoid intelligent risks. It's and, intelligent risks. And I love that t- that phrase, intelligent risks, right? Because it's not like you're just going out there throwing darts at the wall and, and just doing, you know, being all willy-nilly with everything. Yeah, no one wants to run willy-nilly. <laughs> you know, but you're thinking about things and you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to make this risk based on A, B, and C. And it's, it's an intelligent risk that you're taking. Yeah, rather than just trying to cling to what you have, you're like, I bet I could, if I worked a little bit more, if I did this instead, if I added this on, but not add everything on. Mm -hmm. Just if I tried a little bit more, I could probably get a little bit farther. Mm -hmm. And another negative of the scarcity mindset is that it leads to anxiety and fear. Like you're always fearful that you're going to lose whatever it is you have. Like you're going to lose your fitness. Like that's that whole idea of FOMO, right? Like you're going to miss out on this run. And so, oh no, if I miss this run, then I'm just going to like start declining and I'm going to lose my fitness. And oh no, I miss this long run. God forbid it's a long run. Oh, heaven forbid. You know, like, or God forbid you miss a workout. Like you're not going to lose all of your fitness just because you miss one workout. Like it's going to be okay. Right. That kind of goes into the third point of the comparison because comparison and, and the fear and anxiety where you throw in the, the fear of missing out, mm-hmm. it's fear of missing out because you're comparing it to the workout that somebody else is doing Mm -hmm. so you look up and see what everybody else is doing it's like ooh, they did that workout on tuesday great i'll do that one Mm -hmm. oh they did that workout on wednesday that's my wednesday workout oh they did that workout on thursday now you've got back to back to back workouts and that's just too much well and then you're comparing yourself to others in in success as well like yes and so then you're saying that's that's exactly what you're saying like is well that person is they they look really strong right now and they're hitting all these times and they're hitting prs and this is what they're doing so i should just be doing the same thing that they're doing or why aren't I feeling as good as they are? Why aren't I hitting the times like they are? 
Right. It's just this, it's this constant comparison. And then you fall back to the scarcity mindset that says, oh, well, they're being super successful. Therefore, I can't even be that successful. So you try and do what they're doing. But in the back of your mind, you know, you're never going to get that way because there's only so much success that can be had. Mm -hmm. So you're setting yourself up in your head of being like, "Uh, I'm going to copy them. But you've already established your own reality of I can't really catch them because they're successful and therefore I can't be as successful. Right. And, and you don't, most of the time I would say that that is not a conscious thought. No, no, it's not a conscious you know? thought at all. Yeah. It's, it's totally subconscious. Like you don't say, well, because they were in a PR, that means I can't like, that's not a thought that most people would have. Not consciously. Right. But I think subconsciously, if if you're operating out of this kind of, of thought pattern, then that is where your subconscious mind takes it to. Right. The comparison always gets you into a dangerous spot. All right. So let's flip over into adopting an, a, a mindset of abundance, okay? Uh, the abundance is much better because the world becomes a place of limitless opportunities. <laughs> It, opportunities, limitless speed, limitless money, limitless everything. Limitless right? success. Success, right. And so failure is just a negative name for a lesson to be learned. Right. There, there is no failure in the world of abundance. Right. There's simply, oh, I learned that that was not the best way for me to attack this problem. Mm-hmm. Now, why don't I try a different approach to it? Yeah. It's literally just a lesson that you can pick up along the way. Mm-hmm. And that lets you experiment. Yeah. That lets you try new things without the fear that it's going to go wrong. Because it doesn't go wrong. It just taught you that there's a different pr- approach that you should try. Yeah. In the abundance mindset, you have time to succeed. Your success is guaranteed. However, the timeline is not because time is a construct that we place on things. And so you might want to hit a PR this year or at that race or, you know, Boston qualify, but maybe your training hasn't added up to that. Right. At, at this point in time. Right, you've got that, other things going. And that doesn't mean that you're never going to get there. It just means that you're not going to get there right now. And that if you continue to work at it, you continue to train, you continue to commit to the process, you will succeed. You sometimes have to adjust your definition of success. Right, I think that's part of this. The big aspect of the abundance is success is guaranteed, but success does not have to be tied to a number on the clock. But how many times in our lives, like how many times I know in my life where I've I've set a goal for myself and then I get there and I still feel unfulfilled and that was not actually the goal. Or I set a goal for myself and that doesn't happen and something else happens instead and I'm like, oh, that was the point. Right. You know what I mean? Like you don't realize it sometimes, but a lot of times there is a bigger plan that we don't even realize until we get there. Right, which is usually not cleanly tied to the number on the clock when you cross the finish line. Right. And it's one of the things that I was going to talk to you about a message we should pass along to the team is some of the best teams we had they didn't get themselves all caught into making sure they finished whatever place as a team at the state meet. Mm-hmm. Like if you went and talked to them now, they're all out of college and, you know, yeah. having real lives. And at the time in the race, it seemed to matter if they ran, you know, 21 minutes or 21 and a half minutes or whatever that time was. Yeah. But if you talk to them now, why was cross country so much fun? They'll tell you about the people that they spent time with. They'll tell you about the bus rides. They'll tell you about how connected they got and how they still talk to these people. They'll talk about how running helped them see the strength inside of themselves. They don't remember their PRs from high school. Some might. Some might. Some that ran in college might be able to tell you their PRs from college. Yeah. I can tell you my track PR from high school. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you any of my various cross-country races. Really? Yeah, because when I was running, everything wasn't a 5K. They were all roughly three. So I had a different PR on all sorts of different races, all sorts of different courses. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I'm not even sure I could tightly ballpark it. But track, it's so cleanly tied to numbers. Yeah. um, Which is... 
when I was going through it, I enjoyed cross country a lot more mm-hmm. because you felt more connected to the people around you. Mm-hmm. Success was tied to the success of the other people around you. So you really had to support and build each other up in track. You want to get to the next level. You want to go from like districts to regions, or I forget what it was in California, but if you want to do it, you had to do it solo. Mm-hmm. There was no teammates that would carry you to the next level. Right. That you you helped them and the whole team made it to the next level. The team didn't make it. You made it because you individually were fast enough. Yeah, yeah. That's a very different culture and mindset and everything between track and cross country. Yeah, cross country had a good yeah. feel to it. Yeah, that's true. All right, so back to the timeline, like the timeline of success. Like so when you're operating out of um, an abundance mindset, like you choose a goal and you see it through without trying to jump from plan to plan and doing different things. Like what we were talking about before when you didn't have trust in the plan. So you started adding in all these other things. Right. Or adding in other races where it's like, okay, here's the race that I'm training for. But I'm not completely confident that that's going to go well. So I'm going to put another race on the schedule like three weeks later or three weeks before it. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, so now I'm also kind of going to train for this race. And then I've got the one that I'm going for, but then I've got another one just a month after that. And if none of them go very well, you can be like, oh, well... I, I wasn't committed to any of them. It gives you this backup. It gives you the, the built-in excuse mm-hmm. that you weren't focused on that. But you could have been focused on that. You just chose to, you know, essentially hedge your bets and be like, oh, I could PR at any of these three races. Well, yeah, but you're more likely if you just actually tune into one race. And if you don't, then just learn the lesson from that and then rework your training cycle and find another race. Go, you know, keep chasing. Yeah. You don't want to spread yourself too thin basically. All right. So in the world of you have the time to succeed, I I had a few more points I wanted to kind of cover pretty quickly here. Um, if, if the timeline is not super important that you know, the success is coming, then you don't have to overdo it on every workout. Like you're allowed to have easy days. Mm -hmm. You can have time to recover. You can have a hard day on like a Monday and you can have a nice, easy, relaxing recovery on Tuesday. You don't feel the need to push that pace. If Wednesday shows up and you still don't feel recovered for Monday, you have the time to take an extra recovery day. If, if an injury flares up, you have the time to actually fully step back from your training to get your body fully recuperated. You don't have to just keep pushing and keep yourself like right on that edge all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go from one race immediately to the next race to the next race. You can have full-blown several-month-long down cycles in your training plan mm-hmm. to let your body actually recoup and recover so that you can then continue to grow moving forward because mm-hmm. right? you have time to cover all of this. Okay, but what if you're registered for a specific race and you're training for that specific race? Well, you may, depending on what kind of issues are being thrown at you, what, what life is coming at you, you may need to, like we said, redefine what success is. Okay. You know, you might have to be like, okay, well under the situations and it's the, the phrase we've been, you know, using a lot with our kids is you need to be the best you can on that day, Mm -hmm. whatever you are on that day. You know, if you're sick and you're like, well, I'm going to run this race anyway because I've already paid for the registration and I I traveled across the country or whatever, you're going to run the race, but do it as best as you can that day. Mm -hmm. Don't roll into that race thinking, okay, this is my PR race. I have to PR in this race. It it might not be. You know, if stuff comes up in, in life where you're going to end up in in a situation where there's no way you're PRing. Enjoy the experience, Mm -hmm. you know, really fully enjoy everything that that race has to offer. Because sometimes when you're really racing and pushing through all of it, you're not experiencing the full environment of it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the marathons that I ran, people were talking afterwards about, oh man, did you see the beautiful sunrise over the water? I'm like, "Mm, nope. (laughs) No, I didn't. Nope, I totally missed that. And I'm I'm sure I was running right along the ocean as the sun rose, but no. I, I kind of vaguely looking back, I'm like, yeah, I did. That was when I put my sunglasses on. Mm-hmm. Like that that was my reaction to right. it. And totally missed the actual beauty of the sunrise. So Yeah, but I mean at that point in time you were trying to win the race or you were trying to I mean you were at the at the lead. Right. First so, or that second. Was, so that was that was my mentality focus. at the yeah. time. 
And your and focus was not on enjoying the beautiful sunrise. Right. But so what I'm saying is success right. could be anywhere along that spectrum. Yeah. So uh, redefine success. Redefine your success. Yeah. Which is great. Okay. Next, realize that you have the ability to make a positive impact with your running. Like, so those of you who maybe haven't had the chance yet to listen to our last episode, episode number 100, oh, we had the a very, cutest episode. We had a very special, we had two very special guests on it, which was our kids. Like, we had an interview with our kids because we wanted to see how our running affected them and kind of what their thoughts were on how running affected our life as a family and their lives also as as kids. And a lot of what they came out with was very positive. I mean, there you know were some times and they were very honest about like... Very you know, honest. There are times <laughs> that like, you know, running when they wake up, if mom or dad isn't home, like they miss us, but then they know we're coming back. And ultimately, there was a lot of really positive things that they were taking away from it. And we really try to point out the positive impact that running has in our lives. And we do the same with our cross-country kids, like to help them understand that just because you miss the time on the clock doesn't mean that you're a failure. It, it could just, you know, see running in the bigger picture. See how running is making you into a stronger human being. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a big one with the kids, especially the one who uh, has been paying more attention at, like, the meetings that we have with our cross-country kids. Yeah. She's taken away the lessons that we're really trying to preach to the kids. And sometimes sometimes she's a little unclear, misses exactly the phrasing on it, but she's really trying to take in all these lessons, which is amazing to watch her mm-hmm. do, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So other ways that you can integrate the abundance mindset into your running um, number one would another I shouldn't say number one I don't know what, what number we're on right now but 17 17 okay so collaboration versus competition so instead of going into the race trying to compete with those people around you find people that are going to challenge you to be better right so instead of saying like I've got to beat that person be like okay I'm gonna roll with that person and I'm gonna see how much they can push me to be faster or to be a better version of myself today. Yeah, that's a huge mind shift of I have to beat that person versus you say I can roll with them. Yeah. Like you can hang out with the people around you. Mm-hmm. They're, they're other runners. They're nice people. Yeah, and if at the end you want to outkick them and win the race, then by all means, go for it. Right. I do my best to catch as many names early mm-hmm. in the races as possible. Not usually on the starting line. I generally am trying to do my like running drills and try and just mentally intimidate everybody around because <laughs> I am a very physically intimidating person. <laughs> Um, but once the race starts going, I try and carry on awkward conversations with them. Yeah. You know, you're running really fast, so they're automatically super awkward. Well, and that's another way for you to like race and get in their head too. (laughs) I'm talking. Can you talk also? Right. So another way that you can collaborate with other runners is to share your knowledge and, and experience. Like, because everyone has something to teach. And that's one of the things that I loved. Like I was listening to something the other day and... The guy was talking about be the dumbest person in the room. This is beautiful. Right? I mean, because any place you go, there are people there that know more than you about something. About something. Like, who knows what it is, you know? I mean, you might be better at rocket science than your neighbor, but your neighbor might be really good at fixing a faucet. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, there's, like, someone, whoever you're talking to... You can learn something from them. Right. Even in, in something that you're pretty sure that you're you're pretty much an expert in, you can learn something from someone who's a novice mm-hmm. because they're looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. You know, like the, the new freshmen we have on the team that are trying to like explain what's going on, try and explain it to some of the older kids on the team and to hear them then try and help out the freshmen, you can see the wheels in their head start turning of like, oh yeah, I've had that same experience. Mm-hmm. And this is what I did to try and overcome that. And it, it just reinforces the lessons that they've really already learned, but they never even realized yeah. it. So they're they're gaining those lessons just by talking to other people. Mm-hmm. You can gain so much from the people around you. Yeah. I feel like that that reminds me of like when I started asking you all the questions about my running when you started helping me and coaching me. I'm like, because that's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, and then you're why like, why am I doing this? You're like, no, but why? And I'm like, uh, and I, at first it was really frustrating because yeah. I'm like, cause it, because it works is the answer. And I was like, okay, let me figure out exactly why I'm doing this. Cause the answer sometimes is because it works. And I mean, I've done, read a lot right. of the like research on this and sometimes the research doesn't keep up with the coaches right. and coaches do it from one side of the world to the other because they know it works. And the answer literally is because it works and there, and there is not a scientific proof behind it. Yeah. There's just a whole giant heap load of anecdotal evidence. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't know. Cause the last seven gold medalists do it. So you should probably do that. Yeah. Yeah. Another way that you can integrate the abundance mindset is by celebrating the success of others. Like this is the idea of just because someone else has success doesn't mean there's any less success for you. Yeah. This one's a little tricky. Why? Cause if you Cause are there's only one winner of a race. Yeah. And if you were at all falling back into that scarcity mindset, it's really hard to genuinely celebrate the success of another person. Yeah. You know, um, especially if there's someone that you would normally see as quote unquote competition. competition. Yeah. Instead of collaboration. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you, if you run a lot of local road races, you tend to recognize the people around you because yeah. it's, it's the same group. You all run similar times and maybe over the course of a year, you all kind of progress together and mm-hmm. a couple people progress faster, a couple people progress slower. Yeah because it's running, it's so easy to look at numbers. It's so easy to do the comparison rather than the collaboration. So to truly be able to celebrate the success of others is one of the, uh, my favorite parts of high school cross country after every race, the varsity squad would head off and we would have our post-race powwow. And we would, in the middle of our cool down, sit down and talk. And you did not have to be humble at the post-race talk. And the guy next to you could have just laid an egg. And it was not, no one was upset if you went out and celebrated how awesome you were. Mm -hmm. They would celebrate with you. And the next guy could be like, I tried this and it did not work. I'm sorry I let you guys all down. I I didn't PR. I, I was a minute slower than I normally am. And people were with there and fully supportive. And the next guy was like, you know, I tried to hang with this guy. I've never done it before. And everybody was fully supportive of that person. Yeah. It was amazing how much support there was, whether people were doing great or not, whatever places sort of flip-flopped on the team. The number four guy beat the number three guy. Mm-hmm. But the guy who now slid back to four is still celebrating the success of his teammate. Yeah. And I think that that is super powerful. And I also think that, you know, the idea of having someone that is competition for you, someone that like, if you are in that mindset where you're trying to beat another person or you're trying to, you know, beat that time or whatnot, like there are times that we've seen in cross country and I'm sure in local roadways races, this applies as well, where, there's always going to be that one person that it just can't beat, you know, like, I mean, how many times we've watched our, our kids run against, you know, that one person. Like, I mean, one of our girls used to be that person. She would win every race practically. Like there were very few races she didn't win. And there were the same girls that were chasing her down race after race after race. And they could never beat her. However, you know, they all, like, if you look at, how much they all improved over the course of that season, then you redefine success. Like maybe you never beat that girl, but how much did your time improve just trying to chase her, you know, trying to collaborate like, and obviously, you know, and especially in high school on a team atmosphere, you're going to see more of a competition type of thing when you're racing against other schools. But really as runners, like they all made each other better through that competition. Yeah. I mean, and you see this sometimes on like the, the final race of the season, Yeah, right at the finish line. Sometimes there can be some frustration for the person who finishes like second or yeah. third or whatever, yeah. but an hour, hour and a half later up on the award stand, right. first, second, and third are hugging each other Yeah, because the person who finished third realized that without first and second, mm-hmm. they would never have run that time. Yeah. And it's, then you can really genuinely appreciate the success of the people around you. Mm -hmm. And when you're able to appreciate their success, they can appreciate your success and everybody feels better. Yeah. And along that same line about celebrating success, like celebrate 
all of your success, even if it feels minor at the time, because <laughs> even if it's a little success, that's a big deal. Like I, this, I said this to the two freshman girls that I ran with today at practice. Yeah. Like we ended the run and I was like, great job, you guys. You guys just did something really big here. And they were like, oh, that was awful. Blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm like, look, I was like, this might not seem like a big deal because you just ran, you know, three miles, but that is a really big deal. Like that's, you just ran three miles. Like that's three miles further than you did the day before or the day before that. Right. And how many people can say that they've done that? Like number one, number two, like you were out there and you did not want to keep going. Like right. I had to really push you guys, but you finished and you finished strong. Like I told them, they're like, can we just walk the rest of the way? Like when we like turn back into the school? No, that's not They're allowed. like, can we just walk the rest of the way? I was like, no. No, this I'm is like, definitely not I go, allowed. I don't care how tired you are. I always want you to finish running. Yes. Even if that means the last 10 steps, you finish it in a, in a run. Yep. You know, because that is a mental strengthening activity like you are telling yourself that you are still going to finish this out like you are not going to give up you are not going to give in you are going to finish this out and that in of itself is a success yes yes yeah, so you had a miserable run but you were able to summon up just enough energy that you were able to run the final minute mm -hmm. or even the final 30 seconds celebrate that yeah you know did you did you go out and and run your first mile of a 5k way too fast but then you still ran the rest of it yeah you slowed down way mm -hmm. too much but you still ran the rest of it yeah. celebrate that celebrate that you tried something new and you learned mm, that wasn't the right approach mm -hmm. that's something to celebrate celebrate that you listened to your body and didn't go crazy you know like i mean there are times that maybe you are gonna have to bow out of a race like yeah. and, and that's a very tough thing mentally like a very friend, tough that happened to my friend recently like she was supposed to run a marathon and she ended up stopping at the halfway point and she's like i didn't have the marathon in me today like she's done a ton of them you know but she decided that, that you know today I, I don't have it like i'm not feeling right and so she stopped at the halfway point and that's a tough one. That is that's a, a tough very one to find the success thing. in that. Yeah. And the success is having the mental strength to say, not today. Mm -hmm. that's, Sometimes that's a win. That might be harder than the physical strength needed to run the next 13 was the mental strength needed to say, I'm going to pull off. Yeah, exactly. That's a tough one. And finally, to wrap all of this up, like uh, adopting an abundance mindset means committing to a lifetime of learning and growth. Yeah, that's a big one. Ultimately, that's what all of this is like with your running, with your parenting, with your business, whatever it might be with your life, we should constantly be learning and growing in whatever ways we can. I mean, that that goes all the way back to the everything's an experiment. You're not just trying to cling to whatever you have. You're able to experiment and try to grow. Look at what you've got. Learn how you can improve off of that. Open yourself up to the possibility of failure because then you also opened up yourself to the possibility of growth because you can't grow unless you experiment. You want to experiment? Experiment wisely. Learn some stuff so you can take some educated risks that open you up to the possibility of substantial growth. And even greater success than you ever thought possible. Of course. So that's what we've got for you today. And thank you, as always, for spending this time with us today. This has been episode number 101 of the Real Life Runners podcast. For show notes, go check out our website at realliferunners.com. Now get out there and run your life.